0: Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the good, bad, and ugly of business. I am your host, Katrin Becker. Oh man, today's episode is going to be great. You guys, you know, we like to say around here that a smart man learns from his mistakes where a wise man learns from others. And we really try to keep that. There's so much more that brings us together and that we can learn from one another. And you guys are about to learn so much from today's guest. I almost kind of want to set the scene a little bit before I introduce uh, this person, I want everyone to kind of just picture Southern California. You know, it's that warm yellow sun. You've got the palm trees swaying in the breeze. You hear the rhythmic sound of the waves and you're eating a fish taco. Only could happen in Southern California with Wahoo's fish tacos. And I have the honor and pleasure to bring Wing Lamb, the founder, with his uh, co-founders, his two brothers here with you today. So Wing, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Welcome to Southern California in spirits. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. I mean, with the power of our minds, we can imagine ourselves anywhere. So I want to do a just a littlest bit of history, because for those people who might not have had the pleasure of eating at Oahu's or being familiar with the story, I want to kind of bring them up to speed, but I really don't want to settle there because I think there's so much more than just the start of the story. But the base is it's you and your two other brothers, Chinese born, raised in Brazil, moved to Southern California and thought, you know what we need? We need more fish tacos here and really to support that surf culture. So I'd love to hear a little bit more in your words of kind of what those early days were like.
1: Well, yeah, I call it in the early days, everybody loves the idea of eating something, but in the mix, you need somebody that can actually make it, right? <laughs> so- I would say the rite of passage for a Southern California surfer, I would say from Santa Barbara all the way down to the border in San Diego, the first road trip that anybody took. You have to drive because uh, you know most people can't afford to fly on their first surf trip. So you pack your bags and you go south of the border, and uh, you know along the way along the coast of Mexico, Bas- you know California, there's lots and lots of places where. The catch is fish, right? Because being close to the ocean might as well serve what you catch from the ocean. Sure. So where that's where the fish tacos originated from, from Ensenada to San Felipe and every little town in between. So that's what we all did. And of course, everybody came back and everybody talked about, oh my God, how come nobody does it at home? And a few of the, I would say restaurants have always done it, but it wasn't their forte, meaning it was just something else on the menu. It may be like, you know, chicken tenders on your menu. It's not your, you know, and now you see restaurants, that's what they specialize in, chicken tenders, right? So that's the world is we become specialties of different cuisines. So surfers being what we are, and I said, would it be fun? And everybody talked about it, but in the entire group, in Orange County anyway, there's only a few of us that actually had any restaurant experience. So we thought, hmm, let's see what happens. And so me, my brother and me and said, let's venture and make something that we know how to make. But because we're obviously Asian, we thought we need to mix it up a little bit. And the second rite of passage now, then not now, was going to Hawaii. Right. So again, the same thing. Everybody talked about the plate lunches you can get in Hawaii, but not in California. And we're talking teriyaki chicken and steak, you know, nothing crazy, right? Yeah. But so we basically Borrowed a little bit of Hawaiian, a little bit of Brazilian from our culture, bringing up. And obviously, the surf culture was tacos. And we just made them a, just, I call them a little different. I mean, still a tortilla, but how we season it, how we prepare it is just a little different, you know? So we made it to be more like what you would do literally in your own backyard because you're not going to be elaborate. You're not going to spend a lot of time making all these sauces. You're going to make pico de gallo. You know, have some lettuce, cabbage, cheese, and your proteins. It's pretty much it. Right. And over the years we've added more salsas because obviously, you know, our palate's gotten more refined or we're more, you know, able to eat spicier foods, you know, instead of just a nice simple pico de gallo. So we made some really nice fiery roasted, you know, salsas. Cause I'm also, you know, I hate to use the word bored, but you want something that makes your mouth, you know, jump. So that's, you know, the story.
0: Well, and that makes complete sense because just in in researching for this, you know, it's very clear that you're, you think differently. You know, you are very much authentically yourself in every aspect. So it seems to totally track that you're going to continue to innovate and add new things to the menu all the time. One of the questions that uh, I definitely wanted to ask you, know, this is the good, bad, and the ugly. So we talk about all the things is... Yes it's not always successful when you work with family and yet here you guys are 35 years in and from all appearances still love each other. <laughs> yeah. we do. So kind of how, how did you navigate that and and figure out a way where you could all work successfully and bring all of your own natural strengths to the table in a harmonious fashion?
1: I think the biggest thing is in any relationship is communication right it's being able to manage each other's expectations and at the end of the day yes we are brothers we know our strengths and weaknesses but you know there's this thing called compromise right so you find you know like hey if we want to do this you know what's the roi so at the end of the day there's got to be justification it's just not because it's fun to do right You know, because at the end of the day, you know, you are using company time, resources, manpower, whatever you want to talk about to execute whatever idea, plan, marketing, anything you can think of, you know, so you have to be able to communicate because you got to make sure everybody's on the same page, right? At the end of the day, yes, we're all trying to get more traffic, you know, better, you know, increase our average checks, all the things that every business does, but then you got to talk about those. What's the impact, right? I mean, what's the give and what's to get? Because anytime you raise prices, for instance, yes, naturally your average price may go up, but you may lose some customers. So you may say, hey, our average just went up another dollar, but we lost two percent on the traffic. Hmm. So you gotta make sure there's always that balance in you know anything that you do. So the idea again is like, hey, if you're gonna do this event or this promotion and you're gonna use X dollars or man staff to you know the uh, resources to execute. How do we measure the IRI, the impact? Right? Because at the end of the day, uh, we found out early on it's very hard to do things in the store promotions that doesn't impact the customer already coming in. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're giving away food when you could be selling. Right. So we've been very adamant about hey, anything that we do, let's try to do it outside the four walls. So if we're giving away under tacos we're not cannibalizing the sales of the store that day, you know? And that makes so, a lot of
0: sense. That is. And it seems like that kind of goes with the ethos of how you started. I mean, I understand that you did a lot of catering for, um, surf companies like billabong to really be yeah. building those relationships. And there was a lot, it, pro- it probably was a lot on faith at that time. I mean, I can't imagine you had a whole lot of capital to just be giving away tacos.
1: No, early on is, I would say within the first two months, because we opened November of 88. I still remember we had the elections the night before. So George Bush Jr. had just gotten elected and everybody was saying, we're going into a little downturn. And what do you do in opening a restaurant? And they weren't that, they they weren't wrong, right? Yeah. Because it was really November, December, January. It was like, oh my God, maybe this wasn't the, brightest idea we've ever had you know so then when the opportunity came for us to do something outside the four walls and I said well why not right because they weren't like lining out the door to come into the restaurant anyway so I figured well let's see what happens and anytime you can do something and not spend a lot of time and money and you can actually cover some of your expenses right so we weren't like giving it away per se we were basically trading it Right, mm. and uh, we found out that a lot of other companies didn't realize that we we were who we were, right. But the buyers, the retailers that came to the Billabong party, basically talked to their other companies like the Quicksilvers and all that, and it was oh my God, you should have been there. It was amazing because we got to experience something with food. Mm. So then that's when we got the referrals because we didn't know you did that. And we we're well, oh, of course we can do it. But my answer is like, yeah, we do it all the time. You know, <laughs> we been open, you know, three months. So we started doing other events for other companies and trade shows, um, video premieres, just anything that they wanted. I would say, hey. And at the very beginning, I would say very few companies had a budget for what we call hospitality, you know. But we said, hey, we can trade because you make t-shirts, shorts, hats, things that I can use. And that's what we did early on was a lot of bartering. And now, again, it wasn't like crazy money, but the awareness of the people coming like, oh my God, this is so different. Because yeah. before they wouldn't stop in, but now that basically they could sample for free because we were trading with the companies, the bartering, they were willing to, Hey, what's the risk? We we're saying, oh, we'll grab a hamburger after this anyway. But they tried it like, ooh, my not bad. Different, nothing yeah. that they have seen before. And, uh, you know, so they knew a taco, but not the way we made them, right? So it was, I call it slightly off. And then little by little, they started giving more referrals and coming into the restaurant. So we figured out by the summer, the first summer of 89, we actually had a nice steady clientele. And we started looking for a second location, you know, then. Because people like, this is a really cool. You need to have like a surf shop in every surf town. So the idea was you should have a surf restaurant in every surf town. So literally a year and a half in, we opened the second location on Laguna Beach. So again, you know, great, you know, local. The surfers knew who we were because coming from, you know, Costa Mesa to Laguna Beach. So it was like, it was, I don't want to use the word natural, but we figured that if we could support the locals, the rest would all take care of itself, you know, because people like local recommendations.
0: Absolutely. And there's something so authentic about Wahoos. And I, you know, I was asking people about it, you know, prior to this, like, oh, have you heard of this? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm here in Texas. Um, yeah. There's, there's very few locations here. And uh, so many people that I talked to knew and these people aren't surfers. You know, they're yeah. not, they're not in California, even though you've expanded beyond California and, you know, yeah. internationally and everything, but it's just really interesting how, how it's spread and how it's not applying just to Southern California surfers, but there's some sort of authenticity that's really universal and that people really respond to.
1: Yeah. I think that what really helped us was in the action sports world, we call it the surfers, hang out with the skaters, hang out with the BMX and the snowboarders. So little by little, they started telling each other, right? So we started doing surf contests first and trade shows. The next thing you know, we were doing a snowboard event. The next thing you know, we're doing a skateboard event. And just kept going because somebody said, hey, you know that we sponsor, you know, not just surfers, but we sponsor these other sports. Yeah, And I said, well, as long as kind of fell in the action sports bucket." And it was easy for us to do things because it was all the same brands, just different athletes. And it just kind of started evolving. And at a certain point around 2000, you know, as we call it, uh, we started getting into this other crazy sport as we get older called golfing. (laughs) And one of the things that happens when you golf is. There's a lot of celebrities involved in order to raise money for charities and golf tournaments is a great way to raise money for charities. Absolutely. And along the way uh, I met uh, Rod Carew who happens to be the only angels hall of famer. And uh, so once we did that, then again, the same thing that happened in the surf industry where other brands say, Hey, you're working with Billabong, you should work with us. So as, as soon as we started with Rod's event, then another friend said, hey, you should help my buddy, Tim Salmon, who also happened to be playing. So it just kind of started growing. Then we got into the NFL thing because of the agency world. It happens to be, Orange County is like a hotbed for it, right? So we had baseball. And all of a sudden we got NFL. And the next thing I know is our other friends bought the Ducks. So we're doing hockey. And it just kind of kept evolving. And then a little bit with the NBA. So all of a sudden we got major sports, you know, and people are like, what does it got to do with tacos? I goes, Nothing other than people like good food, <laughs> they like food. And they, you know, when you're having a beer or a margarita, you know, tacos, you know, burgers and pizza seem to be the choice, you know, and doing these tournaments, I ended up meeting quite a few celebrities. I call them athletes and it just kept evolving. And then as I through the nineties and the early two thousands, a lot of the videos that promoted action sports, you can't just have it. action. You got to have a soundtrack. Mm. So those are the bands, the Green mm-hmm. Day, the, the Blink-182 is the option. So we just kind of all came together. It wasn't like this plan. Oh, we're going to do this. We just all happen to be in the same space at the same time. And how do you socialize your eating and drinking, you know?
0: And and it can apply to, you know, so many businesses. It's just about being putting yourself out there and finding out where your customers are and then going deeper as to how are they related? I mean, it's such a great analogy that you used with the surfers then to the skateboarders, to the BMX, to the snowboarders, you know, but I think not enough business owners take the time to see what that chain is, to see, you know, how can they make those one step at a time to get something that's, you know, seems further away than their original customer.
1: Yeah, I think most people just say, well, I'm just going to open the doors and, you know, people are going to come. And I always say, well, you got to give them a reason to come. And good food isn't enough. Hmm. Good service isn't enough. There's got to be more. Because remember, we're all in the same business. You know, we're all providing good food. Nobody's opening a restaurant to provide bad food, right? (laughs) And we're all in the hospitality space. So we're all providing great service. So that's not it either, right? So it's got to be something more. And it's something that I call fulfilled and complements their lifestyle. So sure. that's what we you know became. We became the go-to place before you went on your favorite activity. Because it's always that thing where I still remember to this day, as a junior lifeguard in the city of Newport Beach, no matter where you were on this five-mile stretch of beach, I call it right, from one end to the other, when you got hungry, you got you went to the pier. And you bought a little slice of Paris pizza for 50 cents, right? And that was it. And was it the best pizza? Probably not. But it was that rite of passage, yeah. right? And it was also cost. It was all the things that happened. And to this day, I still in my head, I remember what that pizza the, the taste of like. But will it taste the same today? No, because I'm not 13 years
0: old. Probably. Right, right. But I, the I was went... there. I went to school outside of um, where the Coors Brewery is. Oh, yeah. And so my my freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year, they always talked about quarter beers. Like every Friday there would be an event and it was quarter beers. And so I could not wait to turn 21 and go get my quarter beers. And they went up to 50 cents the year that I turned 21. And it was like 50 cent beers just doesn't sound as good as quarter beers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's that rite of passage, right? No. you remember and and then you bring your friends cuz we all want to share our childhood memories with our friends. Yeah. So today even though you're not 13, but if you still surf or you skate or you mountain bike whatever it is that you do, it's just something that finishes the story. You know, it just that's the way you want your day to end. Mm-hmm. So if I'm part of that the beginning or the end of your journey On a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever that is, that's all I really want to be, right? Because then every time you think about that, then you're going to include me in the storyline, you know. And it's been a great, you know, ride so far.
0: Absolutely, and you guys are definitely far from being over. I was watching an interview, and I think it was your brother Ed who was saying that, you know, you guys never started the restaurant to grow it to where it is now. It was more of corporate America wasn't for you guys and you wanted to be able to surf. And so it was a way to do that. So, I mean, it's kind of, it sits on both sides because some business owners, they talk about like they had to have the vision of where they were going to keep them moving, but it's grown way beyond your wildest dreams. So my question in that is as you grew and got new locations, you know, it became more than you could personally manage. How did you keep the culture and the ethos of Wahoos consistent between the different locations?
1: Well, the big part was we never actively went out and looked for investors or franchisees. They came to us, and literally, just like dating, we spent a good amount of time, if not a lot talking them into why you don't want to date us. (laughs) And they would be like, what do you mean? You don't want to sell me a franchise? goes, no, I'm actually going to try to talk you out of it. And then you know what happens when you can't have something, then they really want it, right? Sure. So we said, well, you realize how much work. You realize that this is what we do. So like I said, the ones that are all standing here today all realize how much work and commitment it took to do what we do. But at the same time, I find it like when we're in Colorado, for instance, that the people really embrace what we brought to them. This is just another restaurant. It's part of the community, part of the culture. And we impact the schools. We do a lot of stuff where we are in, right? So that's the part. It's like we want to be a part of the fabric of the community and the whole vibe, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that difficult. Whereas if we were out there just crunching numbers, we could have been at a thousand stores today, right? But that was never really the goal. The goal was, hey, can we make good food and, you know, provide a place where people can hang out before or after? And also, you know, keep, you know, literally fresh, right? Because it's yeah. so easy and so much more cost effective to mass produce everything we do.
0: So is that ever a question that you guys had to come through and debate it? Or was it always you were so in alignment of like, no, this is we're fresh, we'll always be fresh?
1: It, it, we always, we debate it, and, and I would be honest. I mean, there's a couple of things that, let's say, for instance, our green salsa, right? We could have spent a lot of time roasting the vegetables and all that. Today, we're like, you know what? We can skip that step in a sense, because if our vendor does the roasting or we do it, it doesn't alter. the, Sure. Um, you know? So there are things like that that we don't mind doing, but at the end of the day, there's a wonderful word that I don't know when it became fashionable to use but I want to say sometime in the last 20 years it's called stabilizer. A stabilizer is something that stabilizes your food in order to carry from A to B.
0: Mm.
1: Otherwise known as a preservative. <laughs> yeah, but preservative sounds very nasty. Stabilizer sounds very normal. But stabilizer another word for a preservative. So we try to not use preservatives in our cooking process, because these are the things that may not maybe help you today or down the road, right? As we call the side effects. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that is happening to our culture in the last 30 years, a huge part of it has to with what we eat and how we eat it, right? Because I mean, you pick up a label of almost any soft drink, and I don't even know, besides sugar or corn syrup and water and flavor, what are the other 30 things on there? Right. right? You really need it, right? So in my head, I'm like, why can't you really take a lemon, squeeze it, add some water or sugar and call it a day, right? That's the way a soft drink should be. Yeah. Two ingredients, right? Or three, but not 20 to 30, you know? So and I, I You don't can't
0: even to... pronounce.
1: <laughs> yes. And, 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 I, and I don't know what half of them do, but they're there for a purpose to basically extend shelf life, stabilize it, and provide you with a similar experience at day in and day out. But I'm not sure if that's really necessarily good for you. You know?
0: Did you ever watch the movie uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase?
1: <laughs>
0: I've seen it. It's one of my wife's favorites. <laughs> <laughs> well, his his Clark Griswold like, works in food preservation. Like he's got some, yes. I can't remember exactly what it was, but every time I think of preservatives, I think, oh, did Clark Griswold make this? <laughs> And that helps me go, no, I don't want to eat this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, because it is true because there's two parts, you know, we either, you know, we are what we eat and we are what we are if we don't exercise. Right. Yeah. So both of those things go hand in hand, right. Too much of one, not enough of the other. You might as well not do any of it. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. um, Exactly. Need that, need that balance in there for sure. (laughs) So you are known for wearing, Board shorts, flip flops, very casual, which yes. I think is great because it goes back to that authenticity that we, t- that it's such a popular word, authenticity, which yes. I feel like most people just copy other people and say, like, that person's authentic. I want to be authentic. I'll just copy what they do, which is a whole nother conversation. But, you know, what is your opinion on? on being more casual and still being professional and obviously very successful?
1: Well, the fact that, you know, most people know never to ask me what the dress code is, because like I said, my business attire is t-shirt shorts and flip-flops, Right. So that is what I, you know, cause that is the industry, the lifestyle that we're promoting. So you can't be wearing a suit and promoting the action sports lifestyle. They don't go hand in hand. Right. But at the same time, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable investing a lot of money with a guy that looked like I did, right? Mm Because you expect them to be a little bit more, you know, not to use the word uptight, but more properly, you know, business attire. So (laughs) I think there's a place in time, but I think because of COVID, I think a lot of the pants have switched to jeans. You know, Uh, a lot of the ties are long gone. Mm -hmm. You know, nearly as many. And then I find that the whole, Ten shoe slash shoe that is made with rubber soles has become a lot more prevalent, you know? And I would say the one company that came out of COVID and probably had their best four years of, you know, sales is Birkenstock. I mean, stuff that is comfortable. People are like, Hey, you know what? I'd rather be wearing these than these, right? Cause yeah. they're comfortable. You know, wearing high heels is not, you know, good for your back. I don't think, you know, no. especially if you're going to be on your feet all day. So the nurses, all the people that were professionals were wearing some version of a Birkenstock clog or something anyway. So they just kind of extended that. So I find that to be like very, you know, like good for you, you know? So I don't, you know, now if I see somebody wearing sneakers with a suit, I don't think twice about it. And you see it on ESPN all the time. Right. You never see it, but now you see it, you know? Right. So there's some good things that came out of COVID, you know, on the fashion end as well.
0: I, I mean, I always like to try to find where the good is and the things. And of course, COVID was so hard on all. Re- I mean, it's hard on everybody. And you can definitely look at that. But I think there was a lot of good that came out of it. And, you know, you did the California Love Drop where you were giving out food to frontline mm-hmm. workers and, and some, some amazing things there. But I think and I would love to get your take on this is that do you feel that you're surfing background has helped you to ride the waves of business?
1: (laughs) I think a combination of the surfing, and I hate to use the word faith, but you got to have, you know, I call it, you can either say you can trust people or you have faith in people, right? Yeah. And again, we all know that I would say whatever the percentage of the population, we're all in it for number one. We're takers. As long as I can get what I want, do I care if I run over 100 people to get there? Most people don't, right? But I had the same, you know, you know, the Asian in me, the surfing in me, there's this thing called karma that exists around the world. And I think something to be said that when you step over somebody, somebody bigger is going to step on you kind of a thing, mm-hmm. right? So there's always this thing about, you know, don't try to steal somebody else's girlfriend because somebody's going to try to steal yours, right? It's, it's, it's the cycle of life, right? Because there will always be somebody bigger, richer, It is all that, right? So, uh, you know, learn that, hey, do what you can. And if you don't want, you know, as we say, do do unto others, right? As you would have done to yourself. So don't screw people because you're going to get screwed, right? So live, you know, the good life, you know, and play as a team. Don't be selfish and surround yourself with people like-minded. And again, all the brands, all the things that you see in my restaurant is a reflection of all of us working together. Some of these brands are bond. But a lot of them are still, you know, still around. They've merged, they've acquired, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to get there at the same time. Because one of the things you learn about surfing is when you're surfing by yourself, right? You may catch all the waves in the world. But because nobody's solid, you can't share it with anybody. So true. But if you're out there with a few friends and they see you catching that wave, then there's a whole you know, breaking bread afterwards. Oh my God, it was so much fun. That wave was so big, so perfect, you did the perfect. So all those things, the sharing, right? But anytime you're doing something by yourself, you're kind of like, meh, you know, nobody saw it. You know, was the wave that big, you know, was the powder that good in the snow? All this stuff, nobody knows because nobody was there with you. Right. So the whole idea like eating a meal by yourself, it's okay. But when you're breaking bread with your wife or your friends, the whole camaraderie of it, you know, the whole vibe changes. And that's the whole thing. It's about sharing your experiences, breaking bread. It's that whole thing that just stays together, you know?
0: I mean, community is obviously very much, you know, part of the, the, the your, fab, your fabric, your DNA. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it comes through and comes through in everything. So, I mean, looking ahead, what's kind of the legacy that you want to have? You know, how... 50 years from now, 100 years from now, what do you want people to say about Wahoos? What do you want people to say about Wing Lamb?
1: Well, that we were always there for the community. Like, in other words, how do we make everything around us better? You know, how do we make anything that we touch better, right? Because we do, we want to improve everybody's lives around us, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to come and eat every day, but it's just the whole idea that you share the love that we share with you. In other words, if we can make something better for you, Can you pay it forward for somebody else? So the whole idea is just keep, you know, this instead of being this selfish, selfish. How do we share, share, right? And Mm -hmm. always keep paying it forward. I mean, most people would have thought I was crazy to go to Taylor Swift, where I could have sold my tickets for thousands of dollars (laughs) and two little kids. But guess what? To them, it was the best thing they've ever done in their lives up until that moment. Wow. And the fact that I was able to be there and share that with them, right? That's the kind of stuff that makes you like, you know what? Hopefully they'll remember for their kids, for their friends, for their neighbors, right? So that's always the part that you're like, wow. And it's always like your parents driving you all the way to the mall to get an ice cream. Do they really have to go that far? But it made your day, right? Or get you that new little outfit, whatever it is, it made it right? It's a reward for something you deserve. So being a part of that, you know, as opposed to, here's 20 bucks, go get it yourself, right? Right. It's the effort that you go through the motions and take you to the mall. Yes, it sucked spending an hour getting there and back, whatever all (laughs) the stuff is. But at the end of the day, somebody says, well, how was it? I goes, I still can't hear myself because it was so loud. (laughs) 80,000 kids singing at the top of their lungs. But seeing it, was like, wow, this is what
0: it's all about. That must have been quite the experience. It was. We went
1: to the last show of the tour. Oh, and it was wow. Absolutely magical. You know, I can just tell you to buy a t shirt before the concert, the lines were an hour and a half long. <laughs> so, again, you know what I mean? And so, what do you do? You know, I, I stood in line three different times when it was shorter, it was only about 20 minutes long. But still, that's an hour in
0: lines for yeah, yeah, for a t-shirt. But it's it's you know it's representative of the memory.
1: Yeah, and those are the things you can share because again, hopefully, your kid is going to remember, but not just your kid, your kid's friends.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. That I mean, it definitely becomes a story um, that goes on for the ages. Well, Wing, I want to be respectful of your time, and I just appreciate you sharing all of this um, with us. I think my last question is, you know, what's your biggest takeaway from your last 35 years in business? Like, is there one thing that you wish you could have told yourself back in
1: 1988? I think, which is good and bad, you learn from your mistakes, right? So that's why we're smarter. But I would say referrals. Because these days, it's so easy for somebody to drop your name and goes, oh, yeah, her and I went to school together. We're sorority sisters. We're best friends. And that's why you should do business with me. Well, maybe check with your friend to say, well, I know that she was your sorority sister, blah, 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 blah. But how is she to work with? Not Mm -mm. as a friend. Because friendships and workships are different. Mm -hmm. Right? Because friends, eh good or bad, you know, you, you got to love your friends. You got to hate your friends, but at the end of the day, you're still going to be friends, but in business, if they don't deliver what they're supposed to deliver, then what do you do? Right. And I can tell you without a hesitation, there's plenty of people I went to high school, college, blah, 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 that I know around town. Would I do business with them or would I just be friends with them? Mm. And that's a big line that you need to figure it out. And it's okay. It does. Because your friends doesn't mean you have to do business. It's better if you can, because you know who, how and who they are. But sometimes, as we say, even our own families, they take it for granted. Now they're like, hey, I'm his cousin. He's not, there's no accountability there. I'm just going to do the bare minimum and get away with it. Because what is we going to do? Fire me? Mm. right? And when you do, then it sets the tone, right? So I would say in the 35 years, there's probably a handful of guys and gals that I wish that I hadn't done business with, right? I had to learn some hard lessons, but it also reminded me that, hey, humans are humans and we are going to try to do the least amount for the most amount of money. That's human nature, right? So you just got to figure out who those guys are early on, keep them on a short list And make sure that you remind your other friends that hey this guy or this gal you can hang out with just don't do work with them you know because they're not going to do what they say they're going to do
0: that's that's a really good distinction and i know it's it's an area of growth for me personally yeah so
1: because you're going to get people to say yeah 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 and then when the time comes they're like did i say i was going to give you that did i say i was going to pay you this I don't remember that at all. I thought you were just <laughs> gonna do it
0: because you love me, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh so my now. goodness! Yeah. Well, um, you know what would be the the biggest thing that the listeners can do? You know, should they come to Oahu's and check it out? But if there's not one by them, how can they? How can they reach out? How can they well, work for you? Go to
1: you know I call it my Instagram is at wahoos. And just come to see us at the store. You know, I'm literally, you know, you're going to see why we do what we do. And again, even if you don't come to our stores because you're in Oklahoma, wherever you are going to be that you can't get to us. Just think about what you personally can do to make things and people around you better. Right. As we say, leave it cleaner and better than when you came. Right. And that's what we do at the beach. Don't leave your trash behind. Just leave it so that the next person can enjoy it and even more, you know, enjoy more than you did. So that's all I do. It's like the paying forward is a huge part of my, you know, life. And uh, I'm amazed at the people I keep meeting, like this podcast, because you never know who's going to see it, who's going to go, oh, you know what? I should do this, you know? So appreciate, uh, be, you know, mindful and just really, you know, think
0: about, you know,
1: how do I do it better and for somebody else?
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I feel like my cheeks are going to be sore because I've just been smiling this whole time. <laughs> uh, and for the listeners, thank you so much for being here. It is always a pleasure. And, um, you know, we just, we just keep showing up and you never know what the universe will bring to us. And, uh, and yeah, so. For the listeners, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your network. If there's something that you're curious about, an industry, or a person you want to learn more about, please reach out, and I'll see if I can get an interview with them. Until next time, everyone, thanks so much.